Um, I think feminism blew up in everybody's space because men naturally want to need, men naturally want to provide, men naturally want to be protectors. And they could stripping all that for men. And we're now more worried about whether, I know it's going to sound bad, but whether we can do our makeup better than, than women or if we can wear tighter pants than women. Um, instead of doing what we're naturally wired to do, which is being providers, being leaders of our families. And, and now you have women wondering, you know, well, where did all the men go? Well, you scared them away by telling them that it was wrong to be a man. Yes. They started um, demasculating the men layer by layer, layer by layer, by getting, you know, we go back to how do you eat, how do you eat an elephant? One by the time they, they remove those layers one piece at a time to the point where now the man was wearing a skirt. And, uh, and, and at that point, um, how do you go back? You know, Cat. how do you go back? Just think ultimately as a society, we gotta do better. We gotta do better for, <clears throat> for the generations to come. And what I mean by that is, um, man, step up your game, okay? St step up your game. And what, what I mean by step up your game is like, if you're out there trying to earn an honest dollar, okay, you're doing your job. But don't, don't spend it all on golf. Don't spend it all, you know, don't, don't go out there and do bad things with it. If, if you're going to bring a child into this, this world, and be a man and take care of that child, provide for that child. That's what I mean by we got to step up our game. We got to do better as a man. If, if we want to be looked at and seen as, as these big, strong leaders and, and masculine people, do the right thing, man. Protect and provide and, and do good. What? What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Brothers Front, Another Mother, where we talk about the trials and tribulations in everyday entrepreneurship. For those who don't know me, my name is Alex Maldomalo. And I'm Renee Atkinson. And like always, today's a special day. We got a guest in the house, my friends. Here today with us, we got Rudy Cruz Jr. What's going on, man? Hey, thank you guys. Uh, thank you guys for inviting me to be part of your podcast. I've been listening in and kind of watching some of your prior episodes and pretty interesting stuff. And uh, things I talk about, think about them. Hey. Awesome, man. <clears throat> it's, a, it's a pleasure uh, to have you here. I always say um, anybody that takes the time to be here with us and spend the most, you're in real estate, so the most valuable piece of real estate that we own is our time. So the fact that you're here spending that time with us today uh, means a lot. So from us, from the VFAM family, we really appreciate you taking that time. Yeah, man, I, I really, um, I, I appreciate you being here as well and taking time out of your busy life to be here. Um, and, and it's interesting to have somebody with us that, that watches us because that really hasn't happened either. Yeah. So, um, when, when we seen with them, we hadn't put anything out yet except for the shorts. Um, but now, you know, to, to, to have somebody here that's been listening in to be. Yeah. So, um, to get going, why don't you tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself that way, you know, the listeners can get to know who you are and your background and. Um, how you got to where you are today? 
you guys have 40 years. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long ride. Man. So uh, I guess for the most part, uh, right now, uh, I, I, I uh, work some ads. I, uh, in politics. I'm a city representative for the city of Socorro. I'm also the mayor pro tem uh, for the city. This is my third year uh, serving the uh, people of Socorro. Prior to that, I sat on the uh, tribal council. Uh, I believe it was six or seven years. I was actually one of the youngest uh, folks on the tribal council uh, for my tribe, which is the Estepa a fairly recognized Indian tribe. And so I guess my political career kind of started there, but tribal politics is, is very, very different than me. It was completely a, a whole different uh, level of, of <clears throat> what I'm seeing over here with, on the city side. And, and prior to that, um, I worked for my tribe in federal government contracting. And during that time, I had some contracts on Fort Bliss. I had, uh, um, I was on every single land border of entry from South Texas all the way to San Diego, California, and the entire Canadian border. We were every single land border of entry for operations and maintenance of those facilities. I had some contracts on Fort Bliss. I had the Island Control contract. I had the Sergeant Majors Academy contract on there. So I managed all of those contracts. It was fun. It was cool. I learned a lot. I uh, learned a lot about uh, the news and guns. Uh, prior to that, I worked for my tribe as a business development specialist, enabling small businesses access to capital, uh, giving them small coaching lessons, and you know, how to run business, marketing, and, and stuff like that. And prior to that, I worked for my father. My father was an entrepreneur. He had his own business. Right? <clears throat> Him and mom come their own business. So I worked a little bit for my dad. And before that, I worked for the Texas Department of Criminal Justice um, in prison. I don't know what that is. A lot of people don't know that. <laughs> so yeah, I was a, a correction officer for some time, and, and I was both inside and outside, and worked outside. Sometimes you were on horseback. Yeah, it was just fun. Pulled them out to work and stuff like that. And I, it was fun. Um, this conversation is going to be fever and better than I thought it was going to be, because there was a lot of things that you said that I didn't know about. And so Yeah. What, what was that question you asked right before we got started? Oh, yeah. How did you get into the politics from going from, now that I know, you know, going from uh, being a, a, is it detention officer? Or? Yeah. A detention officer or detention correction officer. Correction. Now I'm getting messy So you guys notice when, when I was talking about myself and all the different careers that are, that I've fallen into, um, I, I could never find myself. And I struggled with that. Um, I remember when I was a youngster, I wanted to get into law enforcement. And then kind of around middle school, I fell in love with, I've always been in love with music. And I was like, ah, I want to be a radio DJ. I want to be a radio personality. I think I'd be good for that. So I'm like, I want to study communications. And then when I went to high school, um, I, was, I was really good at football. And I said, you know what? I want to teach and coach. So then I started going to school. I started off at the EPCC and then I transferred over to UTEP and stuff like that. So when I was at UTEP, I was studying uh, education. I was going to be a uh, middle school teacher, fourth through eighth grade generalist. I mean, like I teach anybody your subject between grade to four and eighth, and I was studying to be that. During that time, I was working for my dad also. And um, I, was, I was making so good money. And, and to be honest with you, that's the point. So I was probably making more money than the college professor. Teaching class, okay. And what did your dad do? My dad was his business, and um, so he installed uh, radio, car audio, 
karate with arms and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. those were the days. We always did. We always talked about how everybody had uh, a system with a car. They, they didn't have a car. They had a system, a system with a car. car. Yeah, yeah, the bazookas, the Kenwood, Alpine. <laughs> Dude, we, we used to have guys that would go throw like two, three grand in their car, and their car was like probably worth the same. Yeah, yeah. I mean, beat up Honda and like two hundred thousand miles on it, but they had this awesome sound system. I tell Renee that those people couldn't drive and and hear their their radio at the same time because. Their car was so beat up that if they pranked up the base, they would fucking break their car. The whole thing would rattle, the trunk would rattle, the doors would rattle. Hear that, man. So my, my dad, uh, that was his business. And, and so now that the, the vehicles started coming out, and just, yeah, I lost my pops in 2020 to COVID. I lost him. Um, but he was, uh, he was my mentor. He was my, my guide, and, and he, was, he was hard on me. And, and now I realize why. And... and I have cousins my age that don't even know how to change a tire. But being too bad for that. Yeah, that's sad. <clears throat> yeah, it's it's harsh reality. But that's that's how I, I I started my career and then and I did everything backwards in life. Just so you all know, I um I, I dropped out of of college because I wanted to chase chase the dollar, and that didn't work for me because my dad taught me how to be a good good businessman and how to make money, but he never taught me about the Everything that goes up comes down. Eventually, coming up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So <clears throat> when I said I did everything backwards, I met my wife. Um, we had a child, and I was like, I need a job that's going to provide for my family and also I don't care about this. And how old were you at the time? Man, I was like 22 years old. Okay. 22. Gotcha. And I had a, a baby on the way, and. Uh, that my wife that I have to provide for. So then that's when I decided to join the Texas Department of Criminal Justice, which provided um, food on the table and, and healthcare benefits for all of us. And, um, and that's how I began my, my career in, in law enforcement, man. In the law. Oh, were you there? I was there for almost five years. Oh, for the, the state and then uh, I noticed that, you know, when you work in the prison, you change, man. You change. Every time I came back to visit my family, my son looked different. And things were just different. And then I had my second child, and uh, I said, you know what? This isn't for me anymore. I'm done. I worked in Port Stockton, Texas. I started my career in Amberville. But that system, that was tough. And the family was here, and you were over there. And I was getting there. Yeah, that's just both. Yeah, that's tough. It's tough. So I did it for close to five years, and I said, you know, it's enough. I came back. I started working for my dad again. I told my dad, the cars are coming out with sound systems already, alarms and all this stuff. Like we're we're just a luxury now. Yeah. We gotta do something different. He's like, Well what do you what do you want to do? So I got on a contract with the state of Texas installing what's called the Alzamuck. You might see them or you might have yeah. some friends that have to blow into that machine before you get their car started, right? DWI and the other that. But we got that contract. And they got a few government contracts like with ice and stuff like that. Nice. I remember installing uh lights and radios and stuff and vehicles like these, <clears throat> these like ice cream bands, man, with plates from Chihuahua. Yeah. And I'm like, this is a, an yeah, it's an ice vehicle. These are all undercover vehicles that you guys are working on. That was an awesome contract. And you're talking about a mom and pop shop down the road from here, okay, that was installing these. Which one is this? It's <laughs> right next to the tire shop. That was my dad's. Right here? Yeah. No. Yeah. That, that place was around for a long time. A long, long time. A long time. And my dad, wow. because my dad was consistent with it. Um, 
he had all the dealerships, you know, from the west side all the way down here behind us, and we were doing work for our place. Used car would come in, the dealership would be like, take out all of the upgrades uh, that are not factory because when I sell this car, people are going to want me to replace it, and I can't, so we absolutely would do one. And, and then after that, my uh, my trial hired me as a business development specialist, and I, I took that, and then an op, an op, an op opportunity came up for delivery contracting as the uh, as the GM. I remember I want to tell you a story. There was this gentleman who no longer with the company, but when he brought me in, he he sat me there and he's like, "I'm going to start drop at 60k," and I said, nah, mm-hmm. you're gonna pay me 88k the way you're paying everybody else." And he sat there because I just got big, and he's like, "Why?" I go, because that's what I'm worth. I'm worth 88k annual. And uh, he says, all right, here's side here. What did you learn that? Man, I'm, I'm a hustler. I'm a hustler. Nowadays, if, if man, if we're not making 100K enough every year, we're not making it. So, and that's very, like, you're barely making it at that point. Yeah. Over a month, that was bad. Yeah. So, <clears throat> and, and at the same time, while I was doing that, I was also on the tribal council. Okay. We don't get paid to be on tribal council, you don't get paid, you're serving your people there, mm-hmm. okay? I wanted to be on tribal council because I remember when I was there, my dad was also a tribal councilman. Okay. And I just admired that. My dad was actually on the tribal council that opened up Speaking Rock. Wow. And I remember the stories he used to tell me. When, when did Speaking Rock open up? We opened up in the in the 90s. Okay. Yeah, yeah back in the day, like in the early So days. he was part of it. He was part of that. Okay. Uh, man, I have a picture of that. The, the tribal council standing in front of a tractor when they were going to break ground on that building. Wow, what a legacy. That was awesome, right? So I remember, and the stories my dad would tell me, he's like, man, because, again, uh, dad's job is to also criticize the son, right? So I'd always be criticized. He's like, man, you guys have people on the table with all the degrees and stuff like that. You guys, you guys are doing anything anymore. He says, when I'm on tribal council, man, we're lucky if any of us even graduated from high school. My dad's a high school dropout. So it's that's sexual business, man. They just, they had the vision and there were hard workers. And sometimes that's all you need, man, you know? So I learned a lot from that boss. And that's how I found my way into politics from the tribal council, then I decided to run here with the city of Socorro. There was an opportunity that came up for District 3. District 3 is the old part of Socorro, um, and it's actually the largest voting population of Socorro. Um, that's where all the pioneers are at, the people that, that, that been here from generation to generation. That's the area that I represent, you know, the Socorro mission on that, the mission trail. That's my area. <clears throat> so I have a passion for history, culture, and, and things of that nature. But at the same time, I was like, I can sit here and complain all day about my streets, my side, my sidewalks, my lights and stuff like that, my taxes. But if if you don't get in there and actually make a change, then, then don't sit back and just, you know, yell from the back of the bus, you know, get in there and get things done. So I decided to run. When I ran, there was three other people that were also running for the position. I held my first uh, campaign uh, kickoff. He went at the Demetrius Brewery. <laughs> People showed up and the people running my campaign were the same folks that helped Oscar Leeser win his campaign, right? They said, Rudy, your campaign bend up like if you were running for like state rep. We've never seen a crowd like that. So we drew a pretty good crowd. And I think that my, uh, my opponents, they saw that and they said, no, what? No, we don't want this. So they all dropped out of the race. Uh, come final day for, uh, for 
putting your name in the hat um, for the deadline, I was the only one there, so I wasn't unopposed, and I didn't have, I didn't have to run a full election. It was just I won unopposed for walking along. So that was exciting, but at the same time, I wanted the challenge. I wanted, I wanted to see what, what the voting was going to look like. I wanted to see by how much I was going to win or lose. You know, I didn't get an opportunity to see that. Well, that's an ultimate competitor mindset, you know. That, that we all have that competitiveness inside, so that it's neat. To see. I don't know if everybody has that, though. We, look, I don't think everybody Look, the thing is, we haven't been exposed to the fact that we have it. Even the people that okay. think, okay. even the people that think they don't have it, they just need to be exposed to the fact that, look, man, let me give you an example, and, and you tell me if this makes sense. Give a Nerf ball to like a two-year-old kid, okay. and, and get him like a little, little indoor basketball. Every time he shoots and he makes it, he gets excited. Oh, I got it. I made it, you know. Hey, dad, come check me out. Two, three-year-old. Uh, and when they don't make it, they get mad, they get upset. The problem is that as we continue, this is a parenting issue. As life continues, then well, we, we were just having this conversation. <laughs> uh, they start to remove that dog from you. But down with the core, everybody wants to compete. We are competitors. We want to do something in life. Because you can tell with, with two and three-year-old kids as they're growing up, go to any, any event and, and these kids are five or six and they're getting this, I, my son plays baseball, you see them strike out, they're not, I don't know, come on, you know, let's go. So we all have that competitiveness. It's just, it's a society issue. Institutional issues that are driving or extracting that competitiveness out of children and then they grow up to be 30, 20, 30 years old and then you see them. You want to know something cool about all of us on this, on this earth is that something we all have in common. We're all born furious. That's a fact. We're all born furious, man. And what happens is that as you grow up, and you touch the stove, it's hot, you burn yourself. You know not to do that again. Okay? As you grow and you go throughout life, you fail. Now, there's two types of people that fail, okay? There's those that fail, and they don't want to fail again. So what do they do? They stay stagnant at that level because they don't ever want to experience or feel the way they felt that time. Stay comfortable. Exactly. They're comfort. They're comfortable at that level. And then you have those that fail, and they say, mm, I know what I did wrong. I'm going to go back and do it again. I'm going to do it like this. Those are the people who succeed. Every successful person that you see on TV, on TikTok, on YouTube, or in life, Every successful person has failed more times than that person sitting at home with, you know, just, and they, there's nothing wrong with it. No. You know, there's nothing wrong with no. your annual salary no. and, and, and your, you know, your family. And, and we're content here and we're happy. There's nothing wrong with it. But those that want more out of life are the ones who have failed and failed and failed time and time again. That's the only way you're going you're gonna to succeed and reach that peak. You have to live... I'm going to be honest with you. I talked about all the good things that happened to me at King I talked about the butterflies and rainbows. But what I didn't talk about is all the times that I failed, okay? There was a time where I was in the unemployment line, okay? I used to get food stamps. You know how embarrassing that was? Especially for me, from, from, from a, a, a child, man, that my dad was a good provider. 
uh, I was the, the guy that got made fun of at school by my, by my friends. Uh, he could have bought me and all this stuff. That was me. Mom drove a new vehicle every couple of years because dad could afford it. Okay? That was me. Now, for you to be the man of the house, having to go get food stamps. I remember I used to go to Walmart in the middle of the night when Walmart was still open till midnight because I didn't want any of my friends to see me pull out that, that, uh, that little start car and pay that food stamp. Or, you know what I mean? That was embarrassing for me. And this was while you were a father? This was while I was a father. Yeah, exactly. It was during a, a period where I, like, I couldn't find myself, man. I knew I had talent. I knew most times I just couldn't find myself. Was this during the, <clears throat> while you were working as a, as a, you didn't say detention, you said. Correctional officer. I was a correctional officer. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so on my four days off, I used to work with my, with my dad in his, in his business, right? Because that was the extra money that I needed. But I just, I couldn't, I couldn't catch a break, man. Yeah. I couldn't. I just couldn't catch a break. And I didn't know what that hell was on me. I was like, man, you're so talented. Get, get it to Canada. What is it that you want to do? I, I just couldn't find myself. So then I found myself, uh, and again, my tribe has been there for me. Every time I have failed, they have been there for me. When I needed food, they provided food. When I needed a job, they provided a job. When I needed money, they helped me find that way to, to earn money for my family and they continue to do for me today i work for my my tribe still today running that farm operation that we, that we were talking about earlier um but i have failed so many times that it doesn't phase me anymore we're gonna fail man we're gonna we're gonna fail you know in style i've been asked it really if you ever believe that you you know when you die and come back as a nano what do you want to come back as and I go, man, I'm gonna come back as a fighting rooster. And I like that. And then I like that. And you're like, fighting rooster. Like, why not like a, like a nice dog have a pet, an indoor pet, you know? Yeah. I'm like, man, the fighting rooster is the only animal that's dying afraid of dying, man. They strut nice to this day, but he goes out there and he, and he knows that he can, that he's gonna die or his life, but he don't care. Even if they don't strut him. And that's what a lot of people don't understand about these animals. They, they grow. You don't have to put anything and they will fight until they kill the dead. It's their nature. My dad says, my dad says, um, roosters have this mentality that there can only be one. If there's two roosters, it doesn't matter what you do, they are always gonna fight. It doesn't matter if you tell them not to, they're not gonna listen, they're gonna freaking fight. You can push one to the side, he's gonna find a way to fight the other rooster. There can only be one. So yeah, there's the fight. There's a fight in a man. Shouldn't know it be? Yeah, it's part of it. I got a question for you. Um, so you know, you mentioned you're a city rep. Um, so being a city representative, um, what are some of the like the most pressing issues in the community today? How do you and how do you envision like addressing these challenges while also trying to stay true, you know, to values and and the needs of the community? So that's. The, the question you ask me is the one that I ask myself every day when I wake up as a city rep, okay? There's so many issues and I wish that I, that I had this magic wand that I can wait and boom, everything sticks. Look, I wish every street had a sidewalk. I wish all of our streets were well lit. I wish that all of our parks were better and didn't need the maintenance that they need. I wish that our, our, our infrastructure was better. I wish everybody had access to septic. Do you know that there's people in our community that still don't have access to basic utilities like septic and um, gas and stuff like that, that? That still exists in the community. And I'm gonna tell you that 
these projects haven't been able to come to flourish because they haven't they haven't gotten the attention that that they need. Okay, I need I need for Socorro to step up and hold their representatives, including me, accountable. When I took this seat in office, I took an oath to one be fiscally responsible with your tax dollars, and number two, represent you well. Not only here in the city. That's why people ask me, what, what are you doing over there with the county? What are you doing over there with the state? What are you doing in Washington? What, what, what? I go, because I need those relationships at every single level of government, local, state, and federal. Why? Because I need to bring those resources back to my community. It's never been done. The first thing that I wanted to do when I came into office was change the perception of support. Okay, we all know what how Socorro used to be back. Socorro. How long? How long has this been that you've been on this now? This is my my third year. Okay. Yeah, it's my third year. But some of the the, the changes that I that I feel that are very important that need to happen and need to happen is our our road infrastructure. Our our streets are bad. And, um, our streets are not well lit. And you know what? Sometimes there's light. There's lights everywhere. But you know what? They're out. They're, they're gone. You want to know why? It's because nobody's taking the time to go out there. There's a number on every light pole. If you call Pastor Electric and you say, hey, this light pole's out, they'll come on down and fix it. Wow. But again, we don't know. We don't, a lot of people don't know these things. It's just simple stuff like we need to police our community. You know what I mean? For them to brought there, need to be out. There was a time where I used to walk out outside as a, as a youngster and like everyone, there was kids on their bike, there was kids training in the street, those COVID kids acting, you know? You don't see that anymore. And people ask me, how do you know support the safe? And if I'm gonna tell I'm gonna let you in on a little secret. You wanna know the community's safe? Drive down the street or just walk down the street. If you could hear the kids playing outside and running in the streets, that's when you know it's a safe community. That's when you know it's safe. Yeah. But we're using that. I couldn't agree more, man. I couldn't agree more. That's something that, um, how we we have we have so many conversations Alex and I about things like that where this is a thing of the past and when the light could come on that was that was an indicator to run away uh you'd be out there on the on the big wheel those, those big yeah. old bikes with the freaking brake on the side and uh you'd be playing football um sprained ankles were a thing yeah. um jamming your fingers was a thing knowing that the sidewalk, the curb, was out of bounds. Yeah. You know, if you play football and you step on and up, you step, you yeah. out. You know, argument. Yeah. yeah, it was from mailbox to mailbox. There you go. You know, um, we you put trash cans. I'm a little, I'm a little younger. Yeah, so, so yeah, we used to have yeah. to use the trash cans, uh, especially when it was trash day. Yeah, I got the trash cans. I'm not name that. It's uh, Enzo, Enzo, Enzo baby. But you know, man, that could would be more true, brother. Um, and I, I have to say that I am I'm blessed um, where I'm in a position where I I encourage that man for my kids, and it takes that community that you're talking about. Um, you don't need to even be comfortable enough to let them go out your hand, and and in my in my neighborhood um i'm trying to create that again you know and as a matter of fact um my kids will be out there playing and um you know we live on a, on a corner so i'm i'm out there i'm making sure that 
there isn't a car that's hauling ass and trying to train that, that corner there. Well, my kids are out there on their bikes. They're out there on their on their uh, little scooters that, and uh, and and I'm out there going passive with them. But I want to bring that back because I think that that was a really special time where we we remember those as special times for us, you know. And if something so simple can be so special, then why not like put it back into our communities, man, where. You freaking put down our phone. You can't throw a football in the hand when you've got the phone in your hand. You, know, you can't catch a football <laughs> if you have your phone in your hand. It's, and that damn phone, man, it, it really has a lot of us, including our families and the relationship with our children, it has those critical. Um, and I want to say, man, and I, I, it's an observation of mine uh, out here in the, in the San Andean support area. They, and that's why I asked how long you've been doing it because I actually, without knowing you, um, or what was going on, but I've noticed a lot of things change in this area and uh, something had to have changed recently so that there could be so much change. Um, and I, I have a feeling that, that a lot of it is because of you, man, so good on you. <clears throat> just, just so everyone's aware, when, when you place an item on, on the table, it doesn't matter if my vote's a yes, I still need, you know, Two other yeses. Yeah. And so I need, but again. So it's only three of you, right? No, no, no. So, so in, in, on Supporter City Council, we have a city council, city manager um, <clears throat> um, type of council and government. So Supporter used to be a town. In 1986, it became a city. Um, we work similar to like the city of El Paso. You have your mayor, Boots. And then you have your, in Socorro, you have four districts, and then you have an at large. So there's five voting members on that table. Your mayor's a tiebreaker only if it requires like an ordinance change or any like a like a rezoning. And it's, it's like two to two, then your 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 mayor's your tiebreaker. Mm-hmm. That's how that works. Um, but I mean, other than that, it it it, 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 it takes somebody that, that actually cares about the community because my problems are your problems. Yeah. And your problems are my problems. Now, if I'm in a position to, you know, to represent you well, and what I mean by representing you well is that if you come to me with a concern, so this is one thing that that's on me. Well, you're in these leadership roles and you're representing people, and the day that it bothers you that somebody comes to you with a concern or a complaint and it bothers you, that's the day that you no longer deserve to be in that leadership role. Because your job is to listen to people's complaints and, and take it and do something with it. Don't blow them off, man. You gotta see yourself, answer your phone, man. If you get an email, answer your email. If somebody calls you because it's happened to me before, they'll cuss me out. They'll tell me all kind of this lady that day <clears throat> at a community week. She walks up to me, and man, and I'm blessed to have the the Boulder community be the way they are because they they ground you and they humble you and they bring you back to where you need to be. She talks to me and she says, "Mijo, te puedo decir algo?" I go, "Yeah, what's up?" Al principio me callas mal. And they started asking, <laughs> and I said, oh, senora, thank you for being honest, brutally honest. She says, pero ya no. You want to know why? Because I listened. I, I, that's why we have one mouth in two ears, bro. Shut your mouth and open your ears and listen. Mm-hmm. I listened to the lady. She had some concerns. Guess what? She doesn't even live in my district. But I'll tell you what. I handed off your concerns to that district representative. Mm-hmm. He says, Rui, I'll take care of it. Thank you. 
I could have said, hey, you know what, man? You're not taking care of your people. It's, which is it true? What's that going to do? Exactly. What is it going to do? It's not going to fix anything. I have a resident of Socorro who's from my community, from my city, although I don't directly represent her area. I have to take her concern to the right people. And that's exactly what I did. If all governmental entities would work that way, man, we'd be in a better, better world, you know? Communication is key. Communication is key, man. That. What was our experience uh, this week with the city of El Paso? It was difficult, man. I'm not going to lie. It was tough. It was tough. Yeah, but, oh, well, I mean, and is be honest with you, this is like the start of the show, being to inform people, you know, and we're not, we're not trying to bash anybody or anything, but, you know, this is a new way of media, it is the people just like, they listen to the show, they listen to multiple shows, they're not listening to the news anymore, they're listening to these shows, and if we can sit here and inform people what we can do to, you know, um, get get the people's attention or, or the, the, the government, uh, his attention by letting them know, hey, this street needs to be fixed or, or this light needs to be fixed or let me inform the community about, you know, the steps they need to follow if they want. Even that simple, you know, what are the steps that need to be followed in order to submit a complaint stuff like that? Who's, who's the city, uh, or who's the district there for this district? Whatever, you know, this is a great way to, to inform people. Um, but I have another question for you, and, and I'm, I'm very, I, I love to learn about culture. I'm, I'm, I, I like to inform myself about that. So in your opinion, I had it down here, uh, what are some misconceptions or misunderstandings that people outside of the Tiwa community may have? And how can individuals and the broad society better understand and support the community's aspirations and progress? That's a good question. <clears throat> As a matter of fact, it takes me back to a time I was, I was sitting at a, uh, at a bar in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and there was an Indian casino there, right? Actually, this one guy comes over here, he sits next to me and he says, hey, are you Indian? And I looked at him and I said, it depends. And he said, you, I mean, the guy was drunk already, but he was cool, right? Things came. And then I said, Indian with a dot or with a feather? What <laughs> you like that mean? He said, all oh, they can put their feathers. And I said, yeah, I'm Native American. I'm a Native American, you know? Uh, I'm an Indian. He said, we're dry. And I go, well, I'm Pueblo. He said, what kind of Indian are you? And I go, is hunter-gatherer? <laughs> 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 yeah. I mean, I gotta ride a horse stand and I gotta wear feathers in my hair, you know? If that's what you ask me, he's like, oh, that's cool. But what kind of Indian? So the way I try to explain to people is like, and you could break it down between categories. Uh, you get your like uh, your Pueblo Indians, which all of us are located along the Rio Grande, from from down here all the way up to the New Mexico. We're all Pueblo Indians, and Pueblo Indians there's a strong Spanish influence on the Pueblo tribes. And if you notice, all of the uh, Pueblos that are located along the Rio Grande, they're located on the Rio Grande because they use that river as a resource to build uh, their homes out of mud. They're using mud and water. We were farmers as well. And we did a little bit of onto. Um, but we're all located along the river because that was a, a resource that we needed to plant and we needed that water source. Um, and then you have your pains in the your romantic natives who moves with the, with the buffalo and the, and the, and the seasons, mm-hmm. right? <clears throat> and so those folks, you'll see them over like on the, on the over on the East Coast and 
up north and stuff like that. I'm gonna tell you something here. As Native Americans from any tribe, especially mine, we come in all shapes and colors, man. I got, I got, we got people in my tribe, remember they got curly hair, they got blue eyes, they're light skinned, they're dark skinned, they're in between. I, I like to, they ask me, how do you want your coffee? I go put enough cream in it to where it gets the skin, you know, the, the skin tone of my, my color. That's why I like to drink my coffee. But um, you like a little bit of coffee with your cream. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But we covered all different shapes and, and, and colors. <clears throat> and then people ask, you know, you, you guys speak, you guys have a, yeah, we do have our own language. And it's taught at a very young age. And in our preschool, in our pre preschool program, it's taught there. It, it happens there. I remember my wife, right? I tell you, my wife is, is Mexican, she's from Chihuahua. She called me one day and she says, hey, the kids are telling me something. What is it? Is it bad? What does it mean? Because they were using the, the native language. And she says, they kept telling me how, how, that means hurry, hurry up, let's go. And I said, and I explained to them what it means, but just having that strong Spanish Mexican influence on, on the tribe here, um, not all of us are married within the tribe. You know, some of us didn't marry tribal members, some of us didn't, but they're accepting of our culture, they've embraced it. Our kids now, like mine, are Native American and they're also Mexican and I teach them both. You know, look, this is your mom's culture. When we go to Chihuahua, and look, this is all you did because they asked you, why do you do like this? You know, Martha, well, what are the water tanks going on the roof? I, I teach them Austin. And I show them, this is how life is over here. This is where, where mom grew up. This is how mom was raised. But I also teach them the ways of, of, of my people, right? But it's up to us. It's up to us as adults to keep the traditions and culture alive with our children by showing them how, how things are worn, why they're worn, the colors, the significance, the foods, the, the traditional foods and stuff like that. But if, if you're asking me about, you know, from the outside looking in, you know, how, how do you guys do it, man? We did like, we did like, hey guys, we, we go to Walmart and buy our stuff too, you know, we, we, uh, we all live in TVs. Only during the powwow. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> so like the powwows are cool because we open that up to the public. That's something that you all can come in here and you can enjoy our culture. But the cool thing about it is, is our powwows are we invite uh, just different um, nations, and I call them nations because we're we're sovereign nations um, throughout the U.S. Right? They come and they and they visit us and we have this big powwow and and. It's a gathering. And the largest one is usually in Albuquerque, New Mexico, it's the gathering of the nation. You have people from Canada, Alaska, Hawaii, and just throughout the entire United States and different parts of the world, okay? It's the gathering of the nations. The, the blood that runs through our veins are, are from the first peoples, man, of this, of this earth, uh, the indigenous blood that we have, you know? But I want to say that at some point, if, if, if you're from this area, well, you got some indigenous blood. You, you're from some type of tribe, you know, in Mexico or, or back in the day. If, if you're this color, Aztecs or some, you're, you're up in the West ones, man. You're from one of the first, yeah. So, so be, be proud of that. Yeah. A lot of people kind of take it for granted. Be proud. And remember, people pay to get the skin color when they put us in the environment. Be proud of where you're from and, and be proud of the water. Now, you said something that, that I, wanna, I don't know anything about. Um, so you said that the kids go to school and they learn the language, so they don't go to public school. Yeah, so here's the, here's the sad part, right, is um, 
you guys know about the boarding schools, right? Back in the day, it was boarding school for me. They took all the indigenous children, man. They chopped off their hair. And they told them, you can't speak the language anymore. You're going to speak English. You're going to dress this way. There's photos on there, right? It's sad. Mm-hmm. Um, there was folks from our tribe, uh, I don't know, years ago. The, the, the last gentleman who, who did uh, go to school in a boarding school, he passed already. Um, but he was part of that. He experienced the boarding schools. Did you actually interact with him or not? Uh, no, unfortunately, I didn't. <clears throat> That's a sad part. But the, you know, colonization, right? Uh, this is how you gotta act, this is how you gotta wear your hair, and stuff like that. So, this is the sad part. We only have a preschool right now on the reservation, and once they excel, our students, and, and they move up and the grade levels, they have to go into the public school system. The cool thing is, is that we do have a liaison that works well with the school districts. <clears throat> Uh, from the uh, the tribe and the school district, so there's a liaison, and they, they teach them the do's and don'ts, you know, just kind of co- cultural uh, appropriation. So what's appropriate, what isn't, right? Um, but my sons, my two sons, they they had long hair and they chopped it off, and I asked them why, especially my youngest, why? Because they made fun of me, Dad. Uh, during COVID, uh, you know, yelling. Young boys, they, they don't have real masculine features yet, you know, but you know, they had to wear the masks. They'd be walking down the hall, and it's like, Mija, we're here. And they're like, Man, I'm not a girl, I'm a boy. Yeah. Those are the experiences that make them do the things that they do. So they're like, I want to cut my hair off. So they, what do they do? They cut their hair out. And it is what it is, you know, I'm not, I'm not gonna force my, my, my boys to wear their hair long. Um, but, um, but nowadays things have changed and we have a, a good strong hold on that but yeah they do they go into the public school system but the school districts have been very accepting now and they've been they've been very cool when it comes to that like the, the boys with their long hair and stuff like that being able to wear their feathers on their tassel you know when they graduate or their, their sashes being presented to them by tribal council up on stage that's cool man that's cool they, they've they've allowed us to come in here and, and they, they respect that that's that's what's awesome. I, I want to hold in a little bit more on that because uh, do you guys you know you see that more and more now in society where men um, have long hair, but is that like a disrespect to you guys or or what is what is it about the long hair? What's disrespectful to me is you don't brush it, man. <laughs> man, if you're gonna wear a beard and long hair, man, take care of it. <laughs> no, it's not disrespectful at all, man. It's it's actually uh, it's actually cool because they they, they want to be like us, right? They, uh, they I'm not saying they want to mimic us, right? but they're embracing our culture by doing that. You know, those men that want to have on there, or it's just a, it's just a cool style. You know, a lot of a lot of rockers, you know, they, they rock the long hair and stuff like that. But does that have a meaning? Do you like? Does it have a meaning? And actually, it does, and actually our our hair holds holds a lot of power. And I'm, that's that's the whole significance of it. I know <clears throat> when I was young, I had long hair, then I chopped it off, and then when I worked for the government, I, I can't have long hair. I couldn't work in the prison with, with long hair. Yeah, it's a safety, a safety issue. Exactly. Oh, um, yeah. So, but for us, yeah, it's it's it's, it's power that's uh, keeps us grounded. All the bad and good experiences are, are, are in, in your system and your systems do your right thing is the drug testing and what did where did you put it in your hair, man? Exactly. Everything is in your hair. So like uh, at the same time during uh, you know, when you mourn the passing of a loved one, 
Sometimes it's good to move on. The only way we can move on is to career and start over and start a new chapter in life. And knowing my pops passed, one of my cousins was real close to him. Uh, he, he took some scissors when he actually handed them to me. And uh, we chopped off his hair and he left a, a nice braid in my dad's casket there so that he could start over again. Yeah. You know? It's a new yeah. chapter. Yeah. But yeah, our hair, long hair is very significant to that. And when you braid it, it's the mind, body, spirit, it's the significance of that. That's powerful, bro. I, I love all this stuff, man. I'm, I'm bathing there into all these uh, cultures and, and, and what it is about a certain culture and why they do what they do. For me, man, I, I can go on a long time with this. Um, like, um, even even with um, uh, seeing like Metro Bears and stuff like that, man, I love this stuff because there's history there, man. Somebody was doing something to create whatever it is you're looking at. Um, and I, I take my kids and, uh, we'll go, we'll go hike around to see if we can see certain things because like I said, man, there's so much, even in an arrowhead, you know, like finding an arrowhead, what we do, it's just a, a piece of it. Like there was somebody that was putting in time, uh, to, to go in, to go in and be that hunter gatherer and come back and. We, we haven't been sure. I'm not sure if you might maybe be able to shine a light on this. Um, I, I heard some time ago that um, the reason why you sometimes find arrowheads in a certain area is because there was a belief that if they went out and they hunted, but they didn't kill anything, um, then they'd come back, they'd remove that arrow because it was, you know, it had bad, bad luck or something. And they would make a new one, and then they would food it up by chat. Do you know something about that? So depending on the tribe or the or the, the culture or the the belief, right? Can that that may be true. Um, maybe the belief was this era didn't work for me. Yeah. And so that's why I didn't get killed. Yeah. It's not gonna work for me in the future, so I just leave it there. Yeah. Or it could have been that you know maybe maybe a battle took place in that area. Maybe. Maybe animals were killed in that place and they just happened to stay there. But one thing that I do tell everybody, right, is like, <clears throat> if you ever do come across those types of like artifacts, right. leave it there. Because it's like walking into a cemetery and taking somebody's headstone or flowers off their grave to us. You know, that's, that's, you don't do that, it's disrespectful. Mm -hmm. But this like, it's bad medicine. But go out there, appreciate it, you know, hold it with your hands and then and they put it back deal with their that's where it belongs you know what I mean that's where we're, we're of the we're on the earth yeah. what do you need that's good that's good enough to yeah very cool man cool cool uh, so you're an entrepreneur what exactly do you do for the for the tribe now um, we were talking a little bit about it and uh, you do a little bit of farming or well, a lot of farming as a matter of fact uh, what is the deal with the tribe yeah, so it's a new enterprise that the tribe uh, got one and they've invested quite a bit of money in it and uh so we own 70,000 acres in Valentine, Texas. It's two hours from here off a of highway night. <clears throat> and uh, at one point, it was part of the uh, King Ranch. Nice. So if you actually go in there, you see like the King Ranch emblem and like the wrought iron gates and stuff like that. But we decided to keep it because it was, it was cool, right? It's, it's history. Yeah. And then we just kind of do our stamp on there right next to it. And so it's cool. And uh, so we've got a cattle ranch up there too. And a uh, big old ranch house where our tribal members can stay up there kind of for a year. 
So we draw names and uh, you get the, the legal cabin for, for a weekend and stuff. But it's cool, man, because that's, that's what our people are worth and that's what we want them to know. Uh, that's what they're worth. But the farm, the farm sits on a 500 acre uh, field and we don't do the traditional flood irrigation. We pump all our water through the, the wells, the water source up there, it's really, really good. You can really drink this water coming out of, the, it's just, it's so clean, it's good. And uh, we have uh, like drip tape uh, set up underneath the field there, about six inches deep, and everything runs off of Wi-Fi. And it's a very, very, it's cutting edge technology that we have out there. It's awesome. I can also, not only irrigate, but I can push uh, like any type of uh, fertilizer chemical through the system as well. It's awesome. All, all of our machines, our tractors, our John Deere, and they're, they work off a of satellite. So I have a satellite up there and the tractor pretty much drives itself if I want it. Um, I can set the speed and it will it'll do a straight line every single time if I'm, if I'm planting, this is how awesome it is. I'm planting, when the tractor comes around and do the, the second pass, it will move itself over or accommodate itself towards not wanting to put seed on an area that's already been seeded. That's how smart it is. And so it's more efficient. I'm not wasting seed. I'm not wasting fuel. And I'm not wasting time. And that pre technology that we're using them. And so, I'm, I'm sorry. So, so, so you plant out there is, is mainly, mainly grass, mainly alfalfa, alfalfa, yeah. And uh, our stuff. So we send out our water to laboratories to get tested. We send out our soil to get tested. And then once we have our, our first uh, bedels ready to go, We'll go ahead and test that, and we'll check we'll check like the relative uh, feed value on to see how good it is. Because just like anything, right? You have your 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 good hay, your quality stats. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we want we strive for quality. Yeah. Ultimately, we don't we don't want any want any bugs or beetles or, or or weeds that can that can contaminate our hay. Because ultimately, when it goes to our clients, we want something that we want to do all the product for our clients. Let us keep your animal. A lot of hay goes to East Texas, and East Texas is where all the horse people are. That's where all the big rodeos are at. Not with the Dias Texas and all that. So the majority of our hay goes out there in East Texas, uh, and we're feeding the rodeo horses, man. These horses that are worth twenty-five to fifty k. Yeah, yeah. There's million dollar horses. There's million dollar horses. And the only thing I want to do is give somebody a bad bale of hay. You know, lose it ultimately. Yeah. <clears throat> Very cool. Uh, that is that is that is very very cool. Um, as we start coming to an end, there's a, a few a few questions uh, that I wanted to ask that are simple, but can take us on some good conversation. So, for example, um, what is your definition of success? I wouldn't be able to measure success with with money or where my hands. I measure success with what the man gives and what he puts out into the universe and into this world. And what I mean by that is, if you wake up every morning with the will and the energy to go out there and do something good, and do something good for you, your family, and other people, and just being just nice, man, just, just being nice, it's so easy to be nice. To me, that's a successful person. Somebody who's a provider for their family, somebody who, who's a, a protector, and this can go for both man and woman. It doesn't matter, you're a friend about me and you know, a male or a female. If you're a man or a woman, you wake up every morning with purpose, and because we all have purpose, right? 
And that's why I struggled so much finding what's my purpose? What, what is it that I'm doing that? If you wake up every morning with purpose, to me, that's being successful. I agree. Yeah, man. Yeah, because m mostly everybody wants to measure success on money. Yeah, right. I also don't want to send this misconception that money's bad. Money's not bad. No, okay. Money's not bad. Money's not bad. I, I want the things. I want the cars. I want the house. I want the watches. I like all that stuff. But you can't make that be the only thing that gets you up in the morning. You know, men work. In my opinion, wired to serve. And we purpose purpose driven. We are purpose driven. Mm -hmm. And that's my biggest fear. And, and I always tell my wife this. I never want to lose purpose. The moment a man loses purpose, you it's it's at that point it becomes dead by a thousand paper cuts. Mm -hmm. You know, things start to happen, things start to happen, things start to happen. Before you know it, you're a bum sitting on the couch, you can't find yourself and I mean some people go the extreme as to even committing suicide because they lose purpose. So it's very important that, that we send that message to the young generation. Yes, especially with social media. How many people do you have on social media, you know, rejecting this idea that success is uh, living in Dubai, remotely working from a laptop and, you know, buying, buying the girls, buying the watches, buying the cars. That's not true in that state, isn't it? And I, and I tell my kids this every day. Um, <clears throat> matter of fact, like two years ago, my youngest, right? Dad, if you see one of my, my, uh, my friend's dad's truck, and I said, no, you gotta see it. Cool. I saw it. Big old diesel truck, lifted. I invested a good 20K in it easy. Mm -hmm. I said, son, where did he hit? He showed me what he did. And he lived in a, in, a, in a mobile home. I said, son, the truck is worth more than the house that's living it. Yeah. That's not the way it is, son. No. Son, I want you to understand this lesson I'm gonna give you right now. I lived like nobody else wanted to live in order to be able to live like nobody else can live. What does that mean that for 10 years, I, I lived in a little house, two bedroom house with no HVAC unit. I had strong pool. I, I, I suffered, man. Little too better when you flip a neck from the living room. Okay. Yeah, that's sad. Yeah, I lived like that with no Wi-Fi, no cable TV, no nothing for 10 years in order to give you guys the life that you deserve. But because I decided to live like nobody wanted to in order to live like nobody can live. That's what I think, G. That's called. That's hard. And it's important that, that uh, you know, we were talking earlier about how important men uh, are in a, in, a, in a child's life, whether it's a male or a female, you know. Yes, you treat, I believe there's different treatment, um, but men, um, or the, what's, what's the saying? They say um, women turn babies into boys, then turn boys into men into men. And I was looking at the, at the stats the other day, I think 20 years ago, uh, only 4% of babies were being born into a single mother or single parent homes. You know what the rate is today? 40%. 40% of babies are being born into single parent homes. 
And it is that it should be to go. What's what's the study behind that? Like, what are the reason? There's a Yeah. I mean, where do you start? Yeah. I think, <clears throat> and, it's big, and, and we were talking about this over lunch the other day. Um, I think feminism blew up in everybody's space because men naturally want to need, men naturally want to provide, men naturally want to be protectors, and they've been scripting all that for men. And we're now more worried about whether, I know it's going to sound bad, but whether we can do our makeup better than, than women or if we can wear tighter pants than women um, instead of doing what we're naturally wired to do, which is being providers, being leaders of our families. And, and now you have women wondering, you know, well, where did all the men go? Well, you scared them away by telling them that it was wrong to be a man. Yes. They started um, demasculating the men layer by layer, layer by layer, by getting, you know, we go back to how do you eat, how do you eat an elephant? And by the time they, they remove those layers one piece at a time to the point where now the man was wearing a skirt. And, uh, and, and at that point, um, how do you go back? You, you know, how do you go back? Stick to the need of the society. We got to do better. We got to do better for, <clears throat> for the generations to come. And what I mean by that is, um, man, step up your game. Okay. St step up your game. And what, what I mean by step up your game is like, if you're out there trying to earn an honest dollar, okay, you're doing your job. But don't, don't spend it all on call. Don't spend it all, you know, don't, don't go out there and do bad things with it. If, if you're going to bring a child into this, this world, and be a man and take care of that child, provide for that child. That's what I mean by we got to step up our game. We got to do better as a man. If, if we want to be looked at and seen as, as these big, strong leaders and, and masculine people, do the right thing, man. Protect and provide and, and do good. What, and and what, what's going to happen, though, and what they need to understand is what's going to happen when they try to do that and what's going to happen when they try to be masculine and they try to, you know, challenge the status quo or, or as a barber says, you know, uh, you know, when you try to shave against the grain, you're going to get a lot of repercussions. People are going to look at you like you're wrong. People are going to look at you like you're off. Where did you learn this? What, who, who, what, are you, what are you learning at home? Look, blow them up. You have to blow them up. And you have to understand that if you're running in the opposite direction of the masses, it's going to be lonely and people are going to talk shit to you. That's okay. That should be the indicator that you're doing the right thing. If you run in the other direction where, where you find yourself lonely, no. This is where I need to be. If, if you want to be looked at as that masculine man, as that leader, as that provider. If not, run with everybody else. And everybody wants to see the rainbow, but we don't want the rain, man. You know? They don't want the rain that comes with it. Or deal with the mud. Yeah, that, you like that. It's got to be. Everybody prays for rain, but they don't want to deal with the mud. Yeah. It's got to be money as fuck, you know. But you know what? Um, it'll it'll help out a lot, I think, if, if I want to put... I want to put some of this responsibility on a lot of people out there, right? If we're all, if we're all like-minded men, uh, and those that are listening to the podcast are like-minded men, if we, if we all just put our part, um, I think it'll help. Um, where I'm going with that is, 
some time ago, I was a, uh, a youth counselor for, for some of the schools here, here locally. And, um, and these were the troubled youth, uh, that didn't, that didn't have, uh, the direction, you know, that they needed. And so I would, I would sit in class with them. I would do homework with them. Uh, a lot of times I didn't even know the freaking homework they were doing and we took both of us, you know, and somebody else to, to, to help us with it. But you have a call buddy. Uh, yeah. I call a friend. I call for the friend. Yeah. So, um, so I, I would, I would sit in class with them. I'd learn it with them a lot of times. Right? Um, they gave me the opportunity to learn it all over again. Um, and then, and then I would take them out and, um, and I would, we would go bowling. Uh, we would go do just community service somewhere. And, and what I'm getting at is that we, we need, we need to influence these kids, man, when they're just influenced by the TikTok, by the Instagram, and they don't have like many households, right? You just, you just mentioned 40%. Um, that's, that's a lot, man. If you're taking 7 billion people and 40% of that, 40% of 7 billion people, it's a huge number. I'm not a mathematician. Um, and so. So these kids, man, yes, you know, fortunately they have one or the other, right, in the household, and sometimes none, and they're being raised by a grandmother or uncle or aunt. Um, but what I'm getting at is that as men, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say it in this example, where where they have their mother, but they don't have a father. Um, if we all, man, would just do a little bit more as as the men that we are that are listening to this podcast, and and try to be that role model or that influence or that friend that your son has or your daughter has um or 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 be that if, if you're at a baseball baseball team but you notice that 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 young man doesn't have his father um and his mother's always there trying to be a little in positive influence on that kid you know but if we all just did a little bit more of that man i i was blessed years ago I was at I was at church, and um, and I I was very involved, and this this one uh, lady came up to me and she said, "Excuse me," she said, "Can you, you know, could do you mind?" There was a lot more conversation, but she said, "Can you be a role model for for my 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 niece or my nephew?" I'm sorry, or my nephew, and uh, and I said, "Yeah, sure." So. Um, so I started talking to him and sitting him down and and um, and spending time with him and, and going and doing things and inviting him. If my family was going to go somewhere, I'd invite him along. And long story short, years 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 later, man, um, you know this this young man, he didn't have that father, um, and and he decided that that he was he was okay with it as well. Um, the long story short, I helped him. I was someone who he could call. He was great. He is a great, great athlete. And uh, as a matter of fact, he played uh, football and track. He ran track. We went to state together with, um, with, um, uh, what's his name the, from the Green Bay Packers, the running back from Aaron Jones. He, he ran a track with Aaron Jones and, and he was in football with Aaron Jones here in, here at Burgess. And um, he he had somebody now on that on that uh, in those uh, bleachers that he was able to introduce as his dad, you know. 
So eventually he said, hey, do you mind if I call you dad? And I was like, no, Mio, if you're feeling that, then I'm okay with it, right? This has been a few years now that I had been around him. So I also got the opportunity to, to have, to have, you know, someone in my life, um, they, they looked up to me, you know, and, uh, I started, I was there for his, for his football games. I was there for his track notes. He decided he wanted to go into, into the Marine Corps. Um, that was difficult for me because I said, son, you know, um, I, 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 uh, I, I'm a, I really appreciate that you want to be like me by going to the Marine Corps, but I'm worried that something happens to you. Your mom's going to have that out for me because I was this role model that, you know, that you went to the Marine Corps for. And, um, and so luckily he got a, a great, great job in the Marine Corps. He still went to the Marine Corps. He got out of the Marine Corps and he said, Hey dad. He said, I want to be like you. I want to go to the Border Patrol. And so he became a Border Patrol agent after that. Uh, and uh, now he's, he's serving the, the country. But it was all because I decided, to, you know, that I would take that on upon you, me. You, you, you would touch me. Yeah, man. So, all, all, so I just think that, you know, if, if we do need those big brother groups out there. We do need uh, things like that so that we can, we can be that positive role model. Man, and we talked about that before. And I, I felt that I hadn't gotten something off my chest where I said, you know, that, that we needed we needed them to um, aspire to be something, right? And and then I went back and I talked, they need that role model. But um, yes, they do need they do need to want to do it, but they don't have the example of something. They don't have that, that person who plants a seed, then it's less likely that they're gonna even despite the focus on someone that can be a better role model because um the norm is is what they know so if we then plant that seed by being a good role model by being a good role model or by just talking to them and introducing yourself stuff like that then it already tells them hey you know what man this guy's really cool man my buddy has has his dad and it's really neat. Hey, mom, do you mind if I go? Hey, sir, can I go with you guys? Hey, sir, can I go to the store with you? Go camping with you? Do all these things? Um, or, hey, sir, is it okay if I maybe also join that baseball team or basketball team? Since you guys are already going and you say, yeah, sure, Mingo, come on. Like, we as men also have to do our part, not just not just sit back and, and, and complain about Mampus. You know, we need better role models. We, we, we need them to have a better direction. Yeah, but we got to do our part to give them that better direction. If not, they don't have it, man. They're kids, and that's why we're okay with, at least, you know, we've talked about, we're okay with kids making mistakes because I, as an entrepreneur, have and still continue to freaking make mistakes on a daily. And there's nothing wrong with making mistakes. You just mentioned it earlier as well. There's nothing wrong with making mistakes. And so we need these kids to understand it, man. And, and we need to be that positive role model. They're kids. They don't understand what, what they want to do in freaking life, man. But we got to be able to put that, that little stick next to the tree and freaking tie it up so that that tree can start going straight. But if we don't freaking do it, the tree doesn't know otherwise, man. It's going to continue to go the same direction. So we as men need to freaking do our part, man, to, to, to freaking help these kids out, not just complain about it, you know? We need to leave the game because we don't have you to leave here. Because 
it, it wouldn't matter if you, me, and let's say Rudy are advocating for all the stuff. If then you have men on the other side who are not. Thing is, we're so far divided. Yeah, so that's the biggest issue that we face. We're so divided. We have no unity. But you know what, man? This is the thing. We cannot allow. It's it's like it's like if somewhere along the way, man, the person with the with the loudest voice, we can say, got a hold of the microphone. And why did we allow that? When do we say, hey, you know what? It's time for me to get the freaking microphone as well, man. Like, let me talk. I want my voice heard. We can't be the ones that just sit back and expect things to happen, man. Get better. You know, at some point, man, that, that other person that, that, that yells more, that's that so forth, now has the microphone and we need to, we need to change that, man. So just one last thing. <clears throat> my kids, we, we were driven to different parts of town and we visited other cities. <clears throat> They've asked me. Some their parks are so much nicer than ours. Because they vote. What do you mean? To your vote, that's your voice. The more people who vote, get hurt. Okay? In the area that we live in, in this region, <clears throat> we've been politically weak for so long, which is why I've traced up the way they look. Our infrastructure is the way it is. There's construction everywhere because we've been neglected for so many years. Okay? It's because we don't vote. I go to night every day reading a book. And one of the books that I read, it, it talked about how um, these scientists, they, they went into the, uh, the African jungle, right? And this one scientist notices as they were traveling, this tree, well, actually it was like a series of trees would light up and then they turn off all the alarms and he's, and he noticed like far away, it was just kind of like uh, <clears throat> sparkling, but it wouldn't light up the way these trees would. So after doing a study, and this guy was studying animals and insects and stuff like that, he visited the trees at night and he noticed that it was this, this type of species of, of firefly. Okay. And the males are the ones that light up. And then they shut out. The reason why they do that is that's to attract the female for to come in and mate, right? They did a study and they noticed that that tree would, that would just sparkle here and there, they had lower uh, chances of mating than the trees that would light up all together and shut off all together, light up all together and shut off all together. Those are the trees that were just knocking out babies left and right, man. I use that concept here in government because if we all raise our voices together and we're heard, that's 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 what's going to attract those other resources and um opportunities for businesses and and people to get the infrastructure that we need the same thing goes in society if if i tell everybody what a, what an awesome business this is or what the podcast and i tell them about it and and i shine guess what you shine i shine we all shine and everybody had that mentality we would we wouldn't, we wouldn't be in the world that we're in today. We shut off. Start. I'll, I'll get mine. Well, I was that anyway. So. But I think that one's good. Yeah, no, they had just stopped.
Sorry, sorry, sorry. So. Yeah, so Unity, you know, and, and that was that was a great analogy, man, that we used on the fire, and that was really cool. That was really cool, and it's 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 informative, and it is like if we all unite, it, you know, we, we could do more. And we always talk about doing a thing, and I, I figured this would be a great way to to bring the show home, because we're always talking about, you said, if people go vote, while they're always talking about, yeah, man, you know, it all the time, you know, and uh, or, or I'm going to change tomorrow. I'm going to be better tomorrow. We're always talking about doing things. And uh, I ran into this essay by a Strangest Loop that it's the, the title of the essay is Things That Are Doing Things. And um, Matt, it just, <laughs> as I started, I read it probably like 10 times because I want to get it right. And every time I read it, it makes more sense, but it also makes me laugh even more. Because you, you come to realize how many times we say we're going to do something and we don't do it. But we feel like we did it because we said we were going to do it. Right? So it's uh, an essay from Strangest Loop. Things that aren't doing the thing. Preparing to do the thing isn't doing the thing. Scheduling time to do the thing isn't doing the thing. Making a to-do list to do the thing isn't doing the thing. Telling people you're going to do the thing isn't doing the thing. Messaging a friend who may or may not be doing the thing isn't doing the thing. Writing a banner tweet about how you're going to do the thing isn't doing the thing. Hating on yourself for not doing the thing isn't doing the thing. Hating on the obstacle in the way of doing the thing isn't doing the thing. Fantasizing about all the admiration you will receive once you do the thing isn't doing thing. Reading about how to do the thing isn't doing the thing. Reading about how other people did the thing isn't doing the thing. Reading this essay isn't doing the thing. The only thing that is doing the thing is doing the thing. Damn. That needs to be like a shirt. <clears throat> that needs to be a shirt. Like the whole pattern on the shirt needs to be needs to be all of it. That's um I think that's People ask me, you're politics, you're a politician. And so they, and I don't know where politicians got a bad name, but somewhere around the line, they got a bad name. <laughs> <laughs> again, I make $10,000 a year being your city rep. Okay? In the city of El Paso, they're making way more than that. Commissioners are making more than that. You know, congressmen are making them up. Okay? But, in the day, it is what it is. I chose to be here. I chose to be your person, your uh, representative. So yeah, um, that was me. It's like YouTube. Oh, I was told you, you keep backing me in, but the words will never leave my mind because I was told in that room, in front of many people, and <clears throat> everyone that watched the the city council meeting and says. They said, he hasn't shown me he has what it takes to move his district forward. And I want to challenge him. Those were the exact words that were used against him. 
In the short three years as being a city retro Socorro, I now hold the seat for the city at the MPO, which is the largest board in the entire county of El Paso at the MPO. I'm the, I hold that seat. I'm the chairperson of the Mission Trail Alliance. Okay. I also got the city a seat at the Rio Grande Council of Governments because we never had one. You had everybody there from, from all around El Paso, but not Socorro. We're the second largest municipality in the entire county. Why would we have a seat? Why would we have a seat? I fought for it. They went back, they, they, they amended their, their articles of incorporation, and now we have a seat there. Out of 57, uh, I believe, agenda items, no, 52, 52 agenda items, I believe 50 of those have passed and I brought to Socorro. Fortunately, I can only bring to my district right now. With all to the exit, that round, I could do so much, but I brought resources and services that, that, that are good for the entire community. Without having to dig into our pocket score, okay? But talking about doing the thing, right? I, I show this the exact same way. I, I plan it out, but it, it doesn't be, become, like, I can't check it off my list until it's done. And, and sometimes I don't sleep at night. I wake up at two, three in the morning because I have these ideas and if I don't write them down, I'm gonna get them. And I'm just thinking and thinking and thinking and, and, and I live with this like anxiety with my fingers, man. I, 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 I chew my fingers off just thinking about how I'm going to accomplish something like this. And, and <clears throat> um, I better to control it a little bit better. But at the end of the day, we gotta realize that don't try to take it on by yourself. Because I, I don't know what the saying is in Spanish. That, that right there. That's so true, man. Go, go and try and pick up, you know, a whole bunch of knees and they're all going to fall through your arms. And, um, I vary that and it's so true, but I've accomplished so much because of the backing and support that I had. Um, again, being a politician, being a cigarette does not mean that you know everything and it doesn't give you the right to believe that you know everything. I have sat and had conversations with gentlemen of our community and women of our community, and they've given me these ideas to bring to the table. And without them, I have not been able to accomplish the things that I've done, can't. Um, I noticed that when I barely came on board, there was a lot of being fighting on the table. And I saw this, I'm like, man, I'm looking for two minutes. Yeah. So I placed an item on the agenda, <clears throat> and the item on the agenda was to invite students of the community at Algrida was to come in um, and, and leave us in the pledge. You want to know why? Because I noticed that when there was a, a minor or a child in that room, the adults started acting like adults, man. So I disarmed everybody, and there was one more fighting on the table because we were not going to fight in front of those kids, mm. okay? And that was my way of disarming everybody. Instead of saying, hey, man, I cried, yeah. Uh, I use the kid. To, so the kids teach us something now, okay? Get the power. So, so, so right now you're one of the city reps for Socorro. Do you do you plan on anything else in the future? I I do. I don't I don't foresee me staying staying here for long. But I had to get my foot in the door of, of city politics and this type of, of government because I work for for my travel government for so long. But we operate very differently. Um, I, I do have plans. Um, I don't call it moving up, okay? Because if you're, whether you're a leader at this level or a leader at, at, at that level, 
it doesn't mean that you're moving up. It just means that you've taken on greater responsibility. That's all about you. Know, you know what I mean? But I definitely see myself in another seat later on in the future. I don't know what that is, but I definitely do. One, I found my calling. I like helping people. You know, I can get paid at the same time, then, then so be it. But the $10,000 that I get from the saving guys, I end up getting happy that I've actually committed and, and, and the sponsorship of that. Because you know what? And there's kids in our schools that the only deal that they get is the one they get at school. Mom and dad don't have money to take them on a field trip to this location. And if I can get sponsorships to bring in and take our kids up there and experience those types of uh, places and stuff, why not? Our kids deserve that. And if I am in a position to make it happen, then so be it. If being able to buy pizza for the whole school with, with partners and stuff like that, and making the kids feel special, like on a Friday, they go, have a pizza party. Why not? Why not, man? Because when they go home, then they don't get that treatment sometimes. We don't know how it is. That's why I tell people who trade lightly on people's lives because you don't know what's going on on the inside. You know what I mean? Be kind, be nice. Well, that's a great case to end it. Yeah, okay, that was, that was, yeah. Very long to me. I was raised by the single mother now. Yeah. I was that kid, and, and uh, if there's any way that I can get back, we always find means. But so I'm going to finish off of this uh, before we go. Anything, anything else? Uh, how can people help you? Where can they find you? Um, or any, any, whether it's advice or or just how can how can they help? This is my number on on the Stings website and webpage. You can find my my. Uh, cell number that my direct line I mean you can call that number and I should pick up the phone if I don't pick it up it's because I'm on another call or I'm, I'm in a meeting or I'm using them but I guarantee this I will always call you back that's the worst thing that's one of my pet peeves when I call people they don't call me back or I send an email and they don't email me back oh man that, to me that's disrespectful yeah. and I'll never disrespect uh, people with that especially a taxpayer I'll never do it you deserve my time you're paying for that cell phone so you might as well get an answer on you that I yeah. Yeah. yeah all right uh, well, I'm gonna finish with this, and but yeah, but what is the number? Ah, uh, my CD cell. You get this what? I have my personal number memorized, but let me get you that. Uh, that I mean, there it's. Uh, of course, it's nine one five, two three eight eight one nine seven, and my email is district three at costx.us and the costx just stands for city of socorro it's the acronym for city of socorro so district 3 at costx.us that's where you can email me and again and i welcome any concern or phone call or anybody man the simplest of things do won't even bother me i've had people call me it's a dead dog look here just take care of them man does it cop seem much to pick up the phone and call in there what's the what's the population you have to know so if you Google the population of Socorro, they're going to tell you that we're anywhere between 30, I think it's 34, 36,000. I want to say it's, it's a whole lot more than that because they don't believe the census and update. And we have so much residential development going on right now that the population has, has gone up. Um, also, you know, we have a lot of folks that come over from Riverside and they attend our schools and stuff like that. So that's the population we're serving, you know what I mean? I want to ask questions. If, if, if you're receiving services here, or if you're living in here during the time that you're living in my, in my city, it's my duty and obligation to get you the help that you need. And I mean, not coming directly from the city, but that's why, again, it's good and it's important to have those resources that I can reach out. Hey, I got an elderly folk, I got a veteran here that needs a raft to enter the bank. Can you help build it? How can we do it? 
yeah, we can. There's, there's, there's money here. Bring it. Let's bring this or. Okay. Well, if, um, if, if you ever need any, any, any help on the veteran side, um, I, I know a lot of veterans in town. I was, uh, one of the peer, peer mentors for the Wooded Warrior Project. Uh, and, uh, I, I dealt with a lot of, a lot of people and, if I don't know, then I can maybe get you the resources that can maybe go and build that wrap for that veteran from a veteran or, or service organization, rather than it coming out, you know, from the city, from the taxes, from the people. We need so, um, yeah, so if you need anything from me, let me know. Thank you. Well, Rudy, it was, uh, it was an honor, man. It was a pleasure having you here. Um, we, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna do everything in our power to get some reach, you know, let people know um, what changes need to happen and where we need to go as a community, you know, in order to unite and, and come together. So we really appreciate you coming out and, you know, taking the time to, to spend some time here with us. No, thank, thank you, because I'm, I, I, I'm very, like, humbled and, and this is cool because I don't, I don't often get invited like this because uh, I'll, I'll be upfront about it, man. People, people are like, they look at you and they're like, I can't approach that guy because he has appearance. And, and if I'm not in a suit and tie, I'm, I'm wearing boots and jeans because that's, that's my work. Like, but I w it's because this is what I was taught and I want everybody to know that I don't dress for the job that I have. I dress for the job that I want. And I need people to understand that. And, and I'm not, I'm not this, this mean guy or anything that I don't mean my face may see something else or, or I might be intimidating to some, but man, I'm down to earth. Sometimes I'm out there at the farm with the guy and we're heating up our Wurritura Tamales on some rocks, man. And, and it is what it is. But uh, I'm, I'm down to earth. And uh, it doesn't bother me. You call me. And not everybody's going to love me. You know, you're going to have those in hands. The one thing you're going to get with me, there's no there's no gray uh, spots. It's the black or white. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's, 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 that's my story. Very cool, man. I've got a lot of questions there. We can talk about this yeah, later. Yeah. yeah, if there's, yeah. Um, if there's a way that, like, People can help out of the rounds, uh, things like that. Uh, so we could talk about that right now for sure. Yeah. Cool, cool. All right, guys. Well, uh, but again, uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for staying uh, with us through this hour, hour and a half. We both that uh, we brought some value. If you're getting some information, if we made you laugh, um, share the show, you know. And uh, again, appreciate you guys for the support that you guys have been showing. And with that being said, Remember that the price doesn't go to the fastest guy. The price goes to the guy who slows down the least. So keep your back against the wall. Stay driven, and we will catch you guys on the next one. Peace. Peace, guys. I'll take care. Please, please, please.